Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of my point of view with me, Camila. Hello everybody, welcome, welcome back. Welcome if you're new. I'm a 22-year-old college student from Argentina having a lifestyle career-based podcast that shows you that life is easy if you consider things from a different point of view. Hello, I'm recording this intro on Sancaster because I just finished recording this interview and I'm looking at myself and I never record looking at myself and... Yeah, I've been doing a whole new... I'm going to give you a recommendation on the intro of this podcast now that we're here. I've been doing this whole new setup because... Okay, let's bring it back. I wanted to do this intro short and I'm, we're going to keep it short, okay? But I need to set, tell this, to tell this story. So, uh, you know that I have a new computer since like March, April of this year. And the camera on the computer is on like like the down part how do you say it's not at the top as it usually is it's down so to film or to record podcasts i needed to stack the computer in like 10 books to make it like the camera be like face to my like to be like at the height of my face so we can have like a nice video to use yeah Th that that wasn't the best and also like that camera made me kind of like it, it didn't have like a good saturation and kind of color to my face it made me look like very gray so the beautiful Alana Dawn from seeing other people she told me what she used to record because I always loved how her video looked and she uses this app called Reincubate Camel I'm not gonna try to spell it but that's how it's called and you basically download it to your phone and then to your computer and it basically you you use it as the camera so basically how it works is i mean you can use the free version or you can pay i paid like the whole lifetime license because i wanted to and i liked it but now i'm realizing that maybe i didn't really need to but if you have a great phone camera for example i have now the iphone 12 pro which has an excellent perfect camera you can even choose what lens you use from the iphone camera you download this app you download it on your computer you plug your phone into your computer with your charger or whatever usb thing you use and it basically acts as your camera and oh my god like the you can see every single pore and I'm kind of far away and it's insane and it gives me color and all that but like I am impressed by like how much you can see my pores and like the little eyebrow hairs that I haven't plugged in yet like it's it's kind of crazy it's kind of insane I'm not gonna lie so yeah that's my recommendation of the day you need to download this and use it as your camera because yeah it's way more comfortable. You don't see my fingers. You all, you just see like the nice part of my microphone. Like I really, really liked it. So yeah, you should do that. But I'm recording this intro on like a weird day. I'm, I recorded this podcast on a Tuesday and I'm recording the intro the same day because I don't know if I'm going to have time to record it after. So yeah, how I've been doing this week, we usually do, it's not been much of like many days since the last update, but I've been really fine. I've seen my friends and I'm happy and I'm working a lot and I'm just not ready to go back to school ever. Yes, ever. But the only thing keep me keeping me going, keeping me going? No, the only thing that keeps me going, that's how you say it, is the fact that I have four finals and one thesis and I'll be done with school for forever like ever 
and ever I won't have to go to school ever again and take a test ever again that's insane incredible amazing I am so happy so today's episode is um wait before we talk today's episode I want to give <laughs> that I didn't do this I want to give like a little how do you say it like a little note let's say let's call it a note that I haven't recorded an episode in a while I mean I recorded my last episode but since my last episode I didn't realize how much out of practice I was from my English from talking to people for like an hour straight in English and going back and forth and having like questions in my mind that made sense I mean so many things that I need to do that I didn't realize that I was doing uh so if you hear me like stumbling in my words I confuse the world I say something wrong I hope you understand it in the context that I am at and it still makes sense like it makes sense okay just give it a try give it give it a try give it a little try and you'll still understand me okay just be patient thank you so much so today's episode so today's episode is the amazing noelle ellie she is a writer director and actress she, la based she is also the ceo of noelle Ellie Productions and she does PR there she does like book tours and helps authors and she also does a lot of social media work like social media management and strategy and all of that I mean this episode was amazing I just I was hoping to make it very businessy like but I feel like the end is amazing it gives like the little touch that we were missing from this episode and Yeah, first we started talking about all her business, how she started acting, how then she became a writer and then a director and director. Sorry, I'm saying it in Spanish. <laughs> and then all about her PR company and how you don't need to kind of box yourself in one career. You can do many things at a time and that's totally okay. That doesn't mean that you're being like something wrong or you're not going to achieve one of all, of all the things that you want to achieve. No, you're totally fine. Do whatever you want do all the things that you want to do I feel like people we all have so many different passions and sometimes we just kind of push the ones that are not related to our career or that are not related we don't think are related to our career or to our degree down and you can just profit off your of your passion so much sometimes and you can even enjoy it and you can even do two things at a time three things at a time like do whatever you want yes oh my god I'm going on attention so Yeah, we talk about that and we talk about the ups and downs of acting, how she helped her clients become New York Times bestselling authors and how to properly launch a media and book tour and how it did, how it changed during the pandemic and how she thinks it's gonna work now post-pandemic. Post-pandemic? I don't think we're in a post-pandemic world, but like whatever limbo we are between pandemic and post-pandemic, that's it. Um, and then we talked a lot about wellness and mental health and she has been diagnosed in the past year with chronic illness, with Lyme disease, with mold toxicity and fibro tumors, which is insane. And now she's kind of on the other side of it. And we talked a lot about her journey through that and learning that and kind of how she realized all of this through her intuition and how important it is to trust your intuition, how how to trust your intuition because sometimes you don't realize it and what your intuition actually is like how does it manifest in our like brain and thoughts and all that so I feel like this is 
a great episode so much value so much amazingness i think that you're gonna love it and you're gonna love noel so yeah so just i'm just gonna shut up and just gonna leave you with the episode finally yes hey guys welcome back to another episode of my point of view today i have a very exciting guest hi noel hey thank you for having me Thank you so much for coming on. So do you want to give a little bit of an introduction, like age, name, location, for the people that may not know who you are? Yeah, sure. Well, my name is Noelle Ellie, and I am an actress, director, and producer, and the CEO of a production and PR company called Noelle Ellie Productions. I am based in LA, but uh, I spent a lot of time in New York uh, pre-pandemic um, mm -hmm. and uh, producing projects all over the world and um, working with a lot of, you know, really cool thought leaders and change makers who want to or are making a positive impact on the world. So. Yeah, I love that. I love that. You do so many things. It's insane. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I find it very, like, inspiring because sometimes we all box ourselves in one thing. And it's, yeah. easy, it, and it's easy to just think of us like, I'm just going to be a director, a writer or You're whatever, right. yeah. an actress. And it's hard to kind of see. I, I always have this problem. That's why I, I'm saying uh, it, because I always yeah. feel like people try a box in me in one thing. Uh -huh. For example, I'm finishing my international relations major now. And on the side, I'm doing freelance for like podcast producing and stuff that has nothing okay. to do with what I'm studying. And people are always right. asking me like, what are you gonna do and I'm like I'm already doing something like yeah and I I still love my degree but who knows if I'm actually gonna I don't know it's a whole yeah. thing I always talk right. about this in the podcast <laughs> yeah. but I feel like I really admire that thing that you are a lot of things that you don't let anyone like box you into one work or yeah. category or whatever you know yeah well I think you know Um, for me, I realized I had a certain skill set. So like I moved to New York when I was 18 years old, just a couple of days after I graduated high school. And um, I was the typical struggling artist. I was waiting mm -hmm. tables and I was nannying and working a million odd jobs to make ends meet. And then I, I realized I had this skill set unknowingly. And a woman came up to me and said, you have to produce my events. And I went home and Googled, how do you produce an event? And, you know, and then from there, I always say all roads lead to Rome, right? So it's like, you know, at times we're in these situations, whether it's like a certain job that we're not happy with or whatever it is, not understanding why we're in this situation. And then fast forward a couple months or a couple years and you look back and you're like, oh, wow, had I not done X job, it wouldn't have led me to here, you know? So Exactly. Um, saying yes to things, even if we may not have the expertise or the skill set at the time. I think if you have like a stick to itiveness um, and you do your homework, you know, you can mm -hmm. do anything. Yeah, exactly. Especially now that we have like Google at the palm of our hands. The yeah. many, the many Google times and YouTube. <laughs> I have Google. I'm like, right? oh, yes, I totally know how to use Photoshop and I totally don't. Yeah, so I call yeah. my sister. I have a sister. She lives right back at this uh, wall. And I'm Aww. like, she's a graphic designer. So I'm like, hey, can you teach me how to do this on Photoshop? And I'm like, oh, yes, yep. I'm a pro. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. 
<laughs> yeah. So before we get into the actual episode, I always ask this question to guests. Uh, it's basically like a section that I always do to kind of focus on mental health and how are we doing. So how are you really doing? That's the question that I always ask. Mm. Oh, I love that. And thank you for asking. Um, I am doing well. You know, I have been, and I'm sure we'll talk about this, but I have been through a doozy of a last year. I think everyone has with the pandemic. Um and I was diagnosed with sort of like a litany of things, Lyme disease, co-infections, mold toxicity, fibroid tumors. And I feel like I'm sort of on the other side of it. It took a year to get there. Um, and it took moving and getting rid of 95% of my belongings and like really a rebirth. Uh, yeah. So it's been like a really, really hard couple months. But I feel in this moment, I feel really good. And I feel like because I'm starting to be on the other side that I'm grateful for the uh, uh, trauma and tragedies that had to happen to get me to this point. Yeah, that's incredible. I feel like we never really know how important whatever hardship we're going through right. until we're on yeah. the other side. Right. I've been through a couple of hardships myself and you know, looking back, people always ask you, like, would you take it back? Like, if you could change things, mm -hmm. would you take it back? Or, for example, always people ask me, like, would you take here in Argentina? We had like a six month long quarantine, like strict lockdown. Yeah, it was very hard. Wow. And always, people always yeah. ask me, like, what would you take it back? Like, what would you do to like not have that? And I'm like, I wouldn't because I wouldn't have this podcast. I wouldn't have started working. I wouldn't have passed like yeah. my junior year of college. Like I did so many things. That yes, were really hard because I was in this like four wall situation and I was like, oh my yeah. God, <laughs> but I wouldn't like, I wouldn't take it back. It's not comparing mm. it to like the hardships you were, but like giving an example. No, it's of, a, like, there's no, yeah, no. there's no, and that's the thing. It's like, there's never a comparison. It's all, it's always, you know, very individual, right? Like, mm. you know, what's hard for you may not be hard for me and what's hard for me may not be hard for you. It's just very individual. And I, I agree with you a hundred percent. It's like without suffering, there can be no compassion. And so um, that applies to ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I'm happy you're on the other side of it because I, Thank you. I think that probably going through that through a pandemic year, like everything was heightened during the pandemic. I cannot imagine right. going through that during the pandemic. Yep. It would be <laughs> But now I want to talk a little bit more about your career. So how, when, how did you start it? Like, I am sure. so intrigued by everything. So bring sure. me back to the beginning. <laughs> sure. So I started, uh, I grew up in the arts. My parents were very artistic. They were artistic. They were senior songwriters and um, musicians. And so um, they would put on concerts and I was in church plays. And so I was always sort of around it. Uh, and then I started modeling when I was around like, I don't know, 11 or 12, maybe. And mm -hmm. so I grew up modeling and um, uh, I, I started acting a little bit in high school, but I didn't really know what I was doing. I was just sort of having fun. And I remember we talked to my principal in high school saying like, listen, I want to, you know, go be on set and work, but that means I'd have to miss school. I'll make it up. I'll get a tutor. And they basically were like, no, you have to choose. You either come to school or, wow. yeah. And I was <laughs> devastated and I stayed in school and did the thing. And then at 18, I moved to New York for modeling initially. So 
um, I was modeling for several years and uh, worked Mercedes-Benz Fashion Week. And then I took an acting class for commercials and I realized, oh, wow, acting is actually my passion. This is what mm -hmm. I want to be doing. And so I stopped modeling and focused on acting, just training and really absorbing myself in the environment. And um, from there, I got asked to work, uh, produce shows at Mercedes-Benz Fashion Week and, and sort of put on the big New York Fashion Week. So I did that. And from there, a woman came up to me and said, oh my God, you have to produce my events. And mm -hmm. I went home and Googled, how do you produce an event? And from <laughs> there, just everything became word of mouth. And, you know, I was still in the beginning, I was still waiting tables, working those odd jobs. And then I realized, you know what, I could have a lucrative living. Like I, who said I have to be a struggling artist? Like who wrote, who made that rule? Right. Mm -hmm. So I started my company and similarly to what you were saying earlier, many people around me were like, no, well, you can't start a company. There goes mm -hmm. acting. Like you're not going to be an actress if you start a company. And mm -hmm. I, I sort of subscribed to that limiting belief for many years until I finally said like, I'm changing the story. Like who wrote? No, no. So I started my company and at first it was just events and um, retreats all over the world. And then from there, I'm a natural connector. So like, I love, you know, just connecting people. Uh, a yes. client of mine at the time, um, we had dinner together and she said, Noel, you did more for me in the last hour than my publicist did for me in six months. And I paid her like <laughs> $7,500 a month. Like, wow. you realize you could have a really nice lucrative living being a publicist. And mm -hmm. so I said, yes, you know, like it was just jumping and the net appearing. And from there started publicity. And then um, uh, with acting, you know, it was great because it was really after my production company that I started booking acting work. And wow. um yeah, so mm -hmm. I had a recurring role on Blue Bloods with Tom Selleck and was on mm -hmm. Shades of Blue with Jennifer Lopez and Ray Liotta and just doing a lot of really cool shit. But it was because I always said yes. And I, I, you know, there were times where the limiting beliefs would come in and try to keep me down, but I would just sort of try to squash them as best as I could. And then, you know. Yeah, no, I love, I love that. Yeah, that's insane. Like, I feel like yeah like you first started your company and then you got all the acting jobs that's yeah. amazing that yeah. I, I love that timeline because people sometimes would have just sat down and as you said be a struggling artist and just keep waiting right. for like that job right. and sometimes you can do some things on the side like you don't need to be just one thing in one box as well, we were saying earlier. exactly I think if you have other passions it's really important to you know, foster those passions and, and really nurture them because, you know, otherwise there's nothing like, especially with actors, there's nothing like a desperate actor walking into a room where they don't have anything else going on. And it's like, they have to get this thing. You, you can feel yeah. that energetically and it's not always the most appealing. Whereas if you have an actress who walks in and, you know, like I would say most of the stuff I book is when I am like, okay, cool. I'm grateful for this audition. I'm going to walk in and do it. And then I'm going to throw away my sides after and like run to an event or like a show that my client's on or whatever it is. And so it's like when I'm able yeah. to fully like 
like release it and surrender, usually that's when the universe reflects back to me of like, all right, here you go, you know? Yeah. And that's usually, I feel like with a lot of things, once you just yeah. let like put the pressure down on it, you are the best mm -hmm. at it. Because if you are like, right. no, this, the stakes that this has, oh my God, right. I am going to lose <laughs> everything. It's like you go there with so much like nervousness and stressing yeah. feelings and you're like, I, I don't feel like you can concentrate. Like it happens mm -hmm. to me with, I don't know, finals. It happens to all of us. It's just yeah. another final. And I'm like, is it just another final? <laughs> is it just <laughs> yeah. another exam? But sometimes, yeah, people, and also people like feel your energy and people can see it. I feel like we are so transparent Absolutely. when it comes to like the energy we give mm -hmm. out into the world or put out into yeah. the world, medicine. So yeah i love that and then i wanted to ask uh so you said you were an actress when did you became like a director and a writer um that's a great question so i i had been acting um for about probably professionally for about like five to seven years and mm -hmm. um initially i was just like producing events like live events and retreats And a friend of mine who's a director was like, he asked me a question. He had this really big project that was premiering at Sundance and it was like a really big thing. And he asked me a question and I just volunteered a bunch of information. And at the end of our conversation, he goes, you realize you're a producer? And I was like, oh, you mean of events? And he was like, no, no, no. Like what you did for me, like that's what producers do. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, oh, Okay. So then I started producing and then I was working on a project, um, uh, a pilot that I was producing and the lead actress was also the director. And so there were many times she had to be in front of the camera and she would come to me and say, will you give me notes? And so I became the acting coach of this whole mm -hmm. project. And by the end of shooting, so many people came up to me and goes, you realize you just directed, like you realize you're a director. <laughs> and it was the same. Yeah. I was like, huh, okay, wow. <laughs> and so then from there, uh, a client had come to me and had an idea, a very, very small idea for a project. And she presented me with this idea. And then I took it and like leveled it up and was like, you could do this and you could do this and you could do this. And then she said, well, will you direct it? And then I was like, yes. Yes, I will. I am a director. And so it was, again, sort of like just saying yes and trusting. Yeah. And then I realized after directing these projects, I was like, oh, wow. I When I look back, I was always called bossy, right? Like I was a bossy <laughs> girl. But it's because I was directing everyone and I was yeah. telling them where to go, what to do, you know? And so, um, uh, yeah. And it's it's really cool because With acting, it feeds my soul in one way, and then directing feeds my soul in such a different way, and it's such a beautiful thing. And then when it when it came turn uh, to me turning into a writer, I am a storyteller. I love telling mm -hmm. stories. So whether it's through my acting or through directing or through writing, and so yeah, I feel like I have the best of all all worlds because it's like this triad of things, and um, it's it's beautiful. But I mean, look, there's so many. You know, I feel like that's the theme of today, which is like limiting beliefs. There were so many things trying to keep me down, trying to say like, you're not a writer. Like, yeah. what are you talking about? And I think you also have to be really careful for anyone listening. When you have a dream, 
you have to be really mindful of who you share that dream with. Mm, because yes. I'm I'm the person that like when I love something, I want to shout it from the rooftops and I want to tell yeah. everyone and I want them to feel as good as I do. But when you have small-minded people who maybe have the best intentions, but they're projecting onto you, it can really put you in a little bit of a mind fuck and you can feel really torn and 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 frustrated and um, leaves you with a lot of doubt. And so I've, over the years, I've definitely learned that of, okay, you know what? I have this dream, but maybe I don't need to share it with everyone because I don't need everyone's feedback. And I especially don't need the feedback of the people saying, well, you can't do this. Who who do you yeah. think you are? You know? Yeah. I love that so much. I feel like I'm always such an ambitious, ambitious person. Like I feel mm -hmm. like that's the main characteristic of me that's probably uh -huh. why I started this podcast in a week and now it's more like more than a year and I'm like still here wow. because I just had yeah. an idea one day and I was like whatever I'm gonna do it yep. <laughs> um yep. and sometimes when you share those really big ambitions and ambitions and dreams with people you're like maybe I shouldn't have shared this with you <laughs> like you're bringing yeah. everything down you're right. asking me about logistics and stuff that is not gonna happen for like years probably right. so right. shut right. up <laughs> leave me right. alone with my dream <laughs> totally no it's so it's so true and I mean literally some of my very very good friends who I love and adore so much I, I, there are things I do not share with them for mm -hmm. that reason because next thing I know I was on such a high so excited about this idea And after talking to them for 20 minutes, I feel so defeated and deflated and like, what, you know, who, who am I to think that? And it's just, it's not productive for anyone. Yeah, no, I totally share that. And I've listened, I've listened, I heard this on a podcast the other day, like there are certain, certain friends for certain things. Like you don't share yes. everything with every single one of your friends, yep. which I feel yep. like people don't talk about enough. Like everyone is like, no. oh, this is my best friend in the whole wide right. world. Right. And like I have a right. group of six friends who I love dearly, but I don't share everything mm -hmm. with all of them because yep. you just don't. I don't know. You don't. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you just have to be, you have to be mindful. And it's, it's the same thing with family too. Like I love my family. I'm yeah. so close with them. But there are not. There are certain things I'm not going to go to them for, and that's okay, you know. No, and also I feel like your dreams are like a little part of you that you just keep mm -hmm. giving away, and sometimes people stay with that little part of you, and it's not cool, yeah. you know. Right. Yeah. True. <laughs> they give you mm -hmm. back something else that wasn't what you gave them. <laughs> right. Right. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, but then I wanted to talk a little bit more about your experience with Noel, Noel Ellie. That's how you say it. Uh huh yeah productions because i'm really interested with yeah. you've worked with really amazing people so for the people that may not know that explain a little bit what you do with your pr company yeah so um uh i'm the ceo of noel ellie productions and pr and um you know we do everything from produce events and retreats you know from 30 people to 3500 people and mm -hmm. um book launches and book tours and um, we help authors, um, we help new thought leaders become authors and we help authors become Wall Street Journal bestselling authors and USA Today bestselling authors and New York Times bestselling authors. And um, uh, basically if you have a message to share, we help you amplify that message, whether it's to hundreds or millions. Um, and we, yeah, I've worked with uh, God, so many people including Deepak Chopra and uh Chris wow. Carr and Kimberly mm -hmm. Snyder and Gabby Bernstein and um 
uh, a lot of like conscious brands and really we enjoy working with people who are making a positive impact on the world. Yeah, I love that. And I wanted to ask you, maybe this is a tricky question, but that what's like something that you look for in a book or an author or a thought leader that you are like, this could be like a New York Times bestseller? Like yeah. what's the key ingredient that you look for in people? <laughs> Honestly, transparency is number one. So we've had clients come to us and they're like, I just want to make a positive impact on the world. And then at the end of working with them, we, we realize like, oh, you just want to be a celebrity, which is fine. Yeah. Like there's no judgment, but you need that transparency because if they're not going to be transparent with us, they're not transparent with themselves. Mm -hmm. And if you're not transparent with yourself, that doesn't relate. Audiences relate with accessibility. They want you to be accessible. They want you to be transparent and um, authentic and And they want to, you know, like I always say this as an actor and a director, especially like I want the audience to feel through me what they can't necessarily feel for themselves. And so, mm -hmm. you know, I'm going to relate to you when I see myself, you know, through through your eyes and vice versa. And so yeah. um, it's really important that, number one, they have, you know, they're authentic and they have they're transparent. And then number two what type of audience do they have? And if you don't have an audience, that's okay, but then you have to be willing to grow. And, you know, there's a lot of people that come to us and they say, oh my God, I want to be Marie Forley or Gabby Bernstein. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, cool. That's great. Are you willing to work night, day, eve, breathe, sleep, your job? Because if you're not, then, you know, like, like I may have been a small part in helping Gabby with her career, But that woman hustled harder than anyone mm -hmm. I've ever seen in my life. And so, you know, there's, there's a matter of luck, sure, but there's a work ethic that has to come with it. And then there's a matter of like being unapologetic about what you want. You know, Gabby yeah. had no problem asking for what she wanted, even though there were times she was told no, she kept going. You know, Giselle Bundchen, I'm going to butcher it, but, you know, we all know the model Giselle. I think she was told yeah. no by what 50 something times by modeling agencies. And then mm. finally someone told her, yes, it's like, you have to be persistent and relentless in the pursuit of your dreams. And a lot of people get defeated if it's not an overnight success or they get defeated if it doesn't happen in a year or a year and a half. And it's really about just a, a you know, never ending pursuit of seeking. Yeah, I love that. I love that because I feel like people see people like Gabby, like this really high famous person and they don't see all the work that goes behind yeah. the scenes of becoming yeah. someone like her. Like we all, yeah. I mean, it happens to the best of us. Like sometimes I see sure. influencers and I'm like, oh my God, I wish I was an influencer and they've been like on YouTube for like 10 years. Right. I have not been doing that, of course. So right. that's why I'm here and they're there. But I, I always say this and I love the part that you actually kind of admitted that there's a part of luck. I always say like life, I'm still trying to decide on the percentage, but it's like 70% what you do and how you work and like 30% luck, like there is some yeah. luck in totally. everything that we do. Um, totally. Like if you hadn't been in a specific place at a specific time, yeah. maybe you wouldn't have started your agency and like who knows where it would be now. Right. But Right. There's a lot of hard work that goes behind it. And I feel like a lot of people forget about it because again, yeah. we just see the celebrity and we're like, 
oh, I wish I could, you know, have like the right. Well, and a lot of people <laughs> totally, and a lot of people don't talk about, you know, the the hustle and the grind of it. You know, like mm-hmm. when I met Gabby, she was literally setting up her chairs at events, charging twenty dollars a person, and now she charges twenty five hundred dollars a person. Like she worked really hard for many many years, and so you know, it's, it's almost like when I have clients that come to me and say, I want to be this person, it's almost a red flag because I'm like, cool, but are you really willing to put in the work? Because if you're not, that's okay. Again, no judgment, but like, we got to get honest. And so, um, you know, it's, it's, it's seeing that transparency, it's the authenticity, but then also assessing what their values are, you know? So, you know, is your value to really touch a million people? Great. If you want to do that, are you willing to get on every podcast, even the podcast with no reviews and even the podcast where it doesn't seem like that? Like, are you willing to, you know, spend an hour to reach five people? Because if you're not, that's okay. That's okay. But like, it's not, yeah. it's not necessarily an overnight thing. Yeah, exactly. I totally agree. Yes. And also, I feel like you let me know if this is right. But I feel like seeing all these people going through this and maybe even gave you like, for like your own uh, acting career and like director and writer, seeing all these people hustle so hard and to get to that place, it kind of maybe inspire you to keep on doing and keep on hustling for your other jobs, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, you know, um, there's a, I don't know if you've heard of her, um, a writer, her name is Julia Cameron, and she wrote something called The Artist Way. And um, she, in the book, she talks about um, a shadow artist. And it's something that I recognized many years ago. I'm a shadow artist, meaning mm-hmm. I have been helping, you know, so many people, so many entrepreneurs, so many brands, you know, become famous or become well-known figures. But when it comes to myself, I wasn't applying any of those principles to myself. Mm -hmm. And so I remember a friend of mine said, Noel, make yourself a client, just like you would schedule out your day for a client, do that for yourself. And it wasn't really until this past year when I started going through health stuff where I was like, yeah, what am I, what am I doing? I'm I'm doing this for all of my clients. Why am I not applying Mm -hmm. these same principles to myself? You know? Yeah. Oh my God, that happens to me. I'm I have this podcast and I work for other podcasts and I give my all to the podcast. And yep. I was like, wait, what, why am I not doing the same for me? So that's yeah. why I took a kind of like a three week break to be like, okay, we need to reset. We need to yeah. refresh and reset and come yep. back. So yeah, sometimes yeah. it's really hard to apply things to ourselves because we don't really realize we are, we are always on, I feel like we're always like very on an automatic mode. Like we don't actually mm-hmm. Like, see, what are we doing? We just do. We just wake up. Right. We just do. And then we go to sleep. Yep. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yep. Well, what are we doing? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And now to kind of close the business side of this podcast, I wanted to talk a little bit about book tours and media mm-hmm. tours. Because I feel like there's a lot that goes behind those. And people don't really realize. You just see the person in whatever city yeah. they are. And it's like, great. And right. then they go to another yeah. city and it's like a whole thing. So... How yeah. hard are uh, media and book tours? <laughs> it's it's so wild because, you know, especially with authors or a product that you're launching, right? Like you've given mm. birth to this thing. I always say, oh, yeah. you know, to clients like, oh, your book baby, because it literally, you're, you've given birth to something, you've, you're putting it out in the world. People think that that's the hard work and they have no idea 
than Mm -hmm. how to run a successful media tour or a book tour. And it's, I mean, oh my God, it's countless hours and it's so much, you know, let's, let's say I'm producing, you wrote a book and I'm producing your book tour. So it's not only finding the cities where we want to tour or the countries where we want to tour, but then it's also, whether it's, you know, through my company doing publicity or another publicist, then it's also getting media around that. So, you know, let's say we're in a city for two days. Well, those two days are spent hitting, you know, station after station and show after show doing PR. And then you have to be on for this two, three hour book event. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with that book event, maybe there's a hundred people, maybe there's 400 people. So then you're signing 400 books and you're taking pictures and you're giving a talk and you're doing a Q and A. It's a lot of work. And so, you know, that's also one of the things I say in the beginning is like, are you sure you want to do a book tour? Are you sure you want to do a media tour? You know, because I've definitely had clients where they're like, oh, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a local television show. You know, I don't want to do it unless it's good morning America. And I'm like, all right, cool. I hear that. But also like, how do you expect to get to good morning America? if You're not willing to reach the locals. And so again, it's just really assessing the type of person they are and making sure they're a right fit. Yeah. And I feel like people, sometimes you need to be more grounded when it comes to these things. Like, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like if you want to like touch 1 million people, you have to start at least by one. And once right? you do one, you just do, and then you do three and then you four, and then you build up to 1 million. I don't think that, I mean, sometimes people go viral and it happens in one day, but those are like, the fewer cases in the world. Yeah, no, it's few and far between. And it's, you know, like it's, we have clients because we also, within my company, we do social media management. And, you know, there's times where clients have, you know, a couple thousand followers and they're upset that that 40 people have liked their photo and not, you know, a thousand or whatever it is. And, mm. and I'm always like, look, if you've reached, you know, 10 people, that's the equivalent of like, a small Starbucks. If you've reached yeah. 25, 35, that's a classroom. If you've reached a hundred, that's a small auditorium. If you've reached 300, that's a big auditorium. And so I try to like really put it in, in a, a point of view where people can really understand the impact of it. And you have to start somewhere again, like Gabby was setting up her chairs <laughs> for an event for, you know, 75 people when I met her, like, you know, and then by, by the time I was done working with her, we were doing events with like 500, you know, sometimes a thousand, sometimes 1200 people. So it's, it's, you have to start somewhere and you have to be doing, willing to do the work. And if you're not willing to do the work, you have to be willing to throw money at the situation. And if you're not willing to throw money at the situation, then maybe you need to reassess. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I totally agree. I want to know how the book and media tours have changed during the pandemic. And now, if you want to say like, quote unquote, post pandemic, whatever this time is, like this limbo of time after vaccines and everything. um, How do you think there is something that's going to change forever because of the pandemic from book tours and media tours? Or do you think that it's going to stay the same? Absolutely. That's a great question. I think it's also applicable to the acting industry as well, which is, Mm -hmm. So for tours, for media tours, everything was in person. So, you know, we'd fly to Chicago, we'd have, you know, um, a day, it's called Death Sides, um, 
where you meet with editors and meet with producers and, you know, we would do that for a day. And then um, we'd have the in-person book tour or whatever it is Um, Mm -hmm. for auditions. I would, you know, go to the casting director's office and have producer sessions and director sessions and everything was in person now. And, and, you know, with the pandemic, everything was virtual. So, you know, we could have a show in Maine that wanted a client to be on, you know, their morning show, zoom in. And, mm-hmm. you know, or for me, I'd have a callback or a producer session or director session, everything was zoom. And so for me personally, I prefer in person, any chance I get, I love in person. I think you really get to connect with somebody. Um, it's just a little different. But it works like Zoom works and it's also less expensive for people. So I think Zoom is going to continue to be a thing. Um, it's really going to be preference, um, especially in the in the acting industry. It's definitely easier to just Zoom for people. Um, yeah. But for me personally, I would always prefer in person that like in person connection. Um, yeah. But it it shows it, it also shows like the show must go on. And so, you know, regardless of what's going on, you know, people can pivot accordingly. And we definitely had clients throughout the pandemic where initially we thought, okay, we're just going to pause our contract. But instead we went full steam ahead and clients still were booking, you know, amazing, amazing things. And, um, but it took a little bit of pivoting for sure. Yeah. I love that because I feel like I feel like virtual has this like pros and cons. I would love to be doing like this interview in person, for example, yeah, but sure. I am in Argentina and you're in yeah. LA. It would be kind right. of difficult. So it gives <laughs> us the opportunity to still connect, you know? So totally. I don't know. I'm, I mean, I'm torn between which one I prefer, mm-hmm. but we cannot deny the simplicity maybe of the virtual. Like I'm in my house, you're in yours. Totally. Like, we're really comfortable. Um, totally. To be I mean, school, I have pajama yeah. pants on right now. It's fantastic. <laughs> like, there's definitely exactly. a lot of pros for sure. <laughs> exactly. Like, I end this interview and I'm gonna go make my smoothie, my smoothie bowl, yep. and it's just gonna be somewhere else. But I don't know. I mean, I feel like the in-person connection you really cannot, cannot change it for anything. But yeah. in the meantime, it works. You know. Yep. Yep. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> So then I wanted to ask you again, uh, how do you keep your mental health in check with everything that you do? <laughs> oh man, that's such a great question. So I definitely struggled throughout the years. I, um, growing up, I would say in high school, I discovered yoga and yoga is mm-hmm. sort of like a meditative practice for me, which was really beautiful. Um, and then I started meditating in my early twenties and, um, wow. that's been, I started now. Yeah. I'm 22 yeah. and I started now and I'm like, wow, oh, that's I'm fantastic. so thankful I started now. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And, you know, I used to have a client that would say, when someone would say, well, I don't have time to meditate. She'd say, well, do you have time to feel like shit? And it's so mm-hmm. true. And yeah. I love, um, there's a woman named Marianne Williamson who says, when you start your day off and you give it over to God, you know, you're being guided. And so for me, what that means is, you know, like, look, whatever the listeners believe in, whether it's universe, whether it's God, whether it's something of a higher power, if you really devote 5, 10, 15, 30, an hour, right, a day, that's it. In the morning, you can trust whatever happens in that day is being guided. And I love that. And, you know, my husband, who was like 
not woo woo in the slightest. He now meditates and, you know, it's, it's been a a progression for him and um, it's really important. So for me, it's more about having a morning practice. Um, So like in a perfect ideal world, that would look like I get up, I do some deep breathing. I thank my body for being healthy and strong and digesting. Um, I, I do some breath work. Breath work has been really powerful for me. Um, there's a company called open and, um, I think it's like 15 or $20 a month and it's unlimited breath work classes and it's fantastic. That's been really huge for me. Um, and then journaling. Uh, so after I meditate or do breath work, I like to write for a page or two or three. Um, so when I have that morning routine, that feels so good. But with the pandemic and with the health stuff that I've been dealing with, there's times when I'm like, I don't want to. No, I'm angry. I'm upset. I'm tired. I'm frustrated. I don't want to do it. So, you know, there've definitely been some down days, but I definitely feel much better when I have a, a dedicated practice. Yeah. And I feel like sometimes we just had to embrace whatever we are feeling that day and just be like, Okay, yep. today's on the day, whatever. Exactly, Tomorrow today's maybe the day. day. <laughs> yep, I want to watch reality TV. I want to sit on my yeah. couch and veg out. I'm going to eat my feelings. I honor all that I'm feeling and I'm totally fine with it. It'll be okay tomorrow, you know? Yeah, I love that. Yeah, exactly. So now into your health journey last year, I know it probably must have been really hard, but I just want to talk a little bit about, you know, Living with chronic illness, I feel like not a lot of people talk about it. I feel like, I don't know, I've seen it in some influencers and they, they just don't talk about it anymore. And I'm Gloss not saying that you should have, yeah, yeah you, don't, you don't have to share your whole story on social media, but I feel like it helps a lot of people to maybe like be, not even like relate, maybe even be inspired. Like if you have yeah. all of these things and you can do all of these things that you do, maybe I can do it too. Like, you know, totally. we can do whatever. <laughs> Totally. Yeah. I was thinking about doing a post showing like a picture of me at a photo shoot being like, this is what you saw and then doing a swipe over, but this is what was actually going on. And it's like me losing my hair and having a tumor in my stomach and like, you know, some gnarly, gnarly stuff. It's, I think it's really important. Um, you know, for me, it's like, so I lost my mom in 2016. She passed away of cancer and even though I have empathy and compassion for friends that have lost, you know, family members until you go through it, you really don't know, no matter how much empathy, how much compassion you have, you just, you don't know. And so it was the same thing with chronic illness. I had no idea. I had no idea because what people see a lot of times is like someone who's happy go lucky. And like, I don't understand, like they, they're in a great mood. And then the next day, you know, they're on the couch and they can't get out of bed. Like what? Um, and so for me, what happened was, let me figure out how to like really condense it. Um, I was first diagnosed with, um, I, when I was doing my morning routine, I was rubbing my stomach and I was like thanking her for being healthy and digesting. And when I rubbed my stomach, I felt a lump and I was like, that's weird. What is that? And I ignore wow, it. in your morning routines, that's insane. Like the power right? of the morning routine sometimes. Totally, totally. Yeah. I'm so grateful. And I, I remember that moment so distinctly. And I was like, that's weird. And I ignored it. 
But every time I would do it, I kept feeling this lump in the same place. So I finally went to the doctor and um, I saw multiple doctors because many doctors were like, maybe you just ate something funny. I don't feel anything. And then I finally saw the right doctor and she said, you have fibroid tumors. And I had no idea what a fibroid tumor was. I was like, what? And 90, 90, 90% of the time they're benign tumors. So they're non-cancerous growths, but doctors don't know where they come from. It's, it's sort of like an anomaly. They don't know anything about it. And so doctors wanted me to get it removed. And so that's like a major surgery. And intuitively, my intuition said, no, you need to get to the bottom of this. Because what I'd started researching was that people can get them removed, but then they grow back. Hmm. And again, nobody knows why. So I'm like, I don't want a Band-Aid. I want to get to the root of the issue. So I kept seeing more doctors. And I went to a doctor who did something called kinesiology, which is muscle testing. And so he was taking these vials of different diseases, holding them to the back of my head. I had no idea what the diseases were. And by the end of the hour, he goes, holy moly, Noel, I know your diet. I know your exercise. I know your lifestyle. I would look at you and say you're the epitome of health. I had no idea so much is going on and you're so screwed up. And I was like, what does that mean? And that's when he told me I had Lyme disease and co-infections and mold toxicity and parasites. And I just like was trying not to cry. Because the mm. only other person I knew who had Lyme disease had seizures and was in and out of the hospital. So that's the only point of reference I had. So I was like, shit, what does this mean? So then from there, I got more testing because why would I just listen to my body? I needed the scientific evidence. I needed the blood test, right? Yeah. Why would yeah. I trust my body? So I got the blood test. Sure enough, I had every single thing that he said. So then from there, I... Uh, through a series of events, my intuition said, get your home tested for mold. And this is what's so wild. And this is why I always emphasize the importance of intuition. Prior to my intuition telling me about the mold, a couple months prior, I was scheduled to fly to the East Coast and get treatment. And the treatment I was going to get was like 30 grand and was not covered by insurance, right? So it's like a lot of money out of pocket. But mm -hmm. this doctor felt very strongly she could cure me. So I was like, great, I'm going to do it. So the night before, I tell my husband, the night before my flight's supposed to leave that morning, I said, I can't go. He goes, what are you talking about? And me meanwhile, I, was, I had my whole crew because we were going to produce a documentary around this. So like everything was lined up. A lot of time, wow. a lot of energy, everything went into this. And I said, I can't go. I don't know why I can't go. He's like, don't you want to heal? Yes, of course I want to heal, but I can't go. So I don't go. Fast forward a couple months. I hear, get your home tested for mold. Meanwhile, we lived in a new home, newly renovated. Like you couldn't see any mold anywhere. Everything looked great. So I got it tested. Turns out there was tox high levels of toxic mold. I call my oh. doctor and I say to her, what's going on? And she said, Noel thank God you listened to your intuition. And I said, why? She goes, if you would have flown over here and done all of that, you would have gotten better. And then you would have gone back to the home with mold and you would have gotten sick all over again. It would have been for nothing. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, oh my God. So we've <sighs> now moved. We've now moved and we're in a new home that is mold free, but I had to get rid of 95% of my belongings because of the mycotoxins from the mold spores and um, it contaminated everything we own. So that included like the memorabilia and, and like 
invaluable items from my mom and my favorite books and my furniture and my clothes and my shoe. I mean, everything, everything's gone. And, uh, it's been very, very hard, but it's been really, really beautiful because I have found these integrative healing modalities that have really helped heal me. And so, um, I am just hopeful that through sharing my story and my experience that other people, you know, can sort of be like, oh, wow, if I have a lump in my stomach, maybe I shouldn't ignore it for a couple of years. Maybe I should go right away and get checked out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And wow. I mean, such a story. That's insane. Uh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> but I wanted to ask you because something really like kind of stay with me like your intuition part I'm like wow how do you stay or how did at the time you were so in touch with your intuition or or how sometimes I feel like I doubt myself and my intuition a lot of the times because I feel like I'm not in touch with it as much as I would like it to be so how (laughs) that's a great that's I mean that's such a like great question because I think so many people out there are like, how do you know if it's your intuition and how do you listen? So for me, I've always had a strong intuition, but I've definitely doubted it or I've definitely not listened in the past. And so for me, it's like a, um, it's almost like a nagging feeling or like a spoken feeling. So Mm -hmm. it's not like I hear this voice of God or something, (laughs) you know, it's not anything like that. It's just a knowing. And, Mm -hmm. um, uh, Meditation and breath work are two things that have really helped me um, solidify my intuition. Another thing that's helped me is plant medicine. Um, And I've been on sort of a plant medicine journey for the last seven months. And Mm. that's been really, really beautiful because there's often things that come to me in a plant medicine ceremony that I wouldn't necessarily have been aware of or trusted prior to. So um, it's... I would say for anybody out there who is like, how do I know if it's my intuition? Generally, it's not fear. So what I mean by that is when I heard don't go to New York for treatment, it wasn't like I heard your plane's going to crash. It's not going to work. You're going to waste your money. I didn't hear any of that. It was just like, no, no, well, don't go. And it was like a loving feeling, if that makes sense. And so if that's kind of how you can know, if it's just like a sort of a sh- like assuredness, uh, you know, it's just like a strong, stable, like, yes or no, that's it. Yes or no. And if it's a no, honoring that, what's the worst that can happen? You know what I mean? For me, like maybe I didn't live in mold, but it just wasn't the right timing. And then a month later I went, you know, so, um, yeah. but I definitely find that when I don't listen something generally happens where I'm then able to look back and be like, Oh my God. Like sometimes working with clients Mm. in the beginning that weren't in alignment, but I said yes out of fear or the money seemed good or whatever. And then they ended up being dragon ladies or whatever it was. It's like (laughs) looking back and being like, Oh wow. There were a lot of red flags that I ignored, you know, or my intuition definitely said no, but I did it anyway. So there's lessons, right. Mm. But it's like, at what point do you maybe not want to have to embody the lesson at what point do you just want to trust (laughs) yeah exactly wow I love that yeah I feel like it's also like the experience of looking back and being like oh I should have done whatever in that time right um and then you can start learning the feeling and what feeling you get but yeah I love that and I love 
yeah your story with intuition but i feel like we've been talking for like 10 minutes but it's actually been like 47 so <laughs> i'm gonna close uh the interview and then we, we move on to a, a section of rapid fire questions but i wanted to ask Great. you like how did you go through all of this uh with your health and medically and still like you were an actress you were a director you were a writer you had a pr company i mean you're the ceo of the pr company so i feel like how how do you do out of that and how did you just feel like how did you i mean i don't know i mean i'm trying to kind of not embody the question because i'm such an overachiever but i don't know how i will like be no, in the position that you were <laughs> um well i definitely had moments of burnout not gonna lie mm. i was overworked and exhausted and um you know, for me, like when I look back at the, because I have late stage chronic Lyme, meaning I got bit by a tick when I was six years old, but the mold wow. toxicity sort of like ignited it. Um, so like I had symptoms. So I had chronic back pain. I was exhausted. I had sinus issues, but like I excused it all. I was like, oh, I have chronic back pain. Well, I'm running around New York City going to 10 auditions a week and working with my company, carrying bags, walking up five flights. So it's like we make excuses, especially as women, I think. Like we, you know, make a lot yeah. of excuses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm having a hard time sleeping. Well, I'm exhausted and I'm stressed out, of course. Or I'm having heart palpitations. Well, I'm stressed, right? right? So like yeah. I made a lot of excuses for the, the symptoms, but I finally realized there's a woman named Dr. Jess, um, Dr. Jess MD on Instagram. She's a good friend of mine. And we were on a panel together um, early in the year. And we were talking about the importance of self-love. So whether that's like, whether that's taking baths, whether that's meditating, whatever self-love means to you. And mm -hmm. she said, it's so important for people to do daily. And I pushed back and said, while I agree with you, what if it's exhausting for people to do daily? And she goes, Noel, it's not exhausting for healthy people. And I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> yeah. I have been living with this chronic illness for so long that I don't remember what it's like to be healthy. And so, um, you know, it's just, it's, it took some like give and take of recognizing, oh, wow. And like honoring and acknowledging, oh, I'm actually sick. That's okay. You know, a, 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 all of these diagnoses are just labels and I don't have to subscribe to the label, but I do have to honor it. And once I started really honoring it and accepting it is when it started to change and, and morph and transform. And so I think just again, having some sort of practice for yourself, whether that's if you're like a stay at home mom or a young mom going to school and taking care of kids, whether that's taking 10 minutes in the bathroom to sit on the toilet seat and just like picture white light pouring over you or mm. doing a minute of deep breathing, whatever that means for you. But like honoring yourself the way you would honor your boyfriend or your kids or your parents or your job, you know? It's really important. Yeah. 
exactly wow i agree so much i feel like i always come back in every episode to kind of like the self-love and self-acceptance and kind of treating yourself the way you treat others and right. like if you don't take care of yourself how do you expect to take care of others it's like the mm -hmm. the metaphor from the plane like if you put your mask first then you can help right. others you know yeah so yeah. yeah i feel like every episode comes back to that because it's so <laughs> key it's so important on I any know. like career job whatever it is that you do <laughs> Mm -hmm. yeah. and then now moving to the rapid fire question section of the episode to kind of close up so i have like a couple questions just rapid fire answer the first thing that comes to your mind okay what's your go-to coffee order what's my go-to what coffee order or if you don't drink coffee oh coffee order caffeine. um <laughs> Well, my, my previous, when I was drinking coffee, it was like a, a, a latte with um, uh, almond milk or oat milk. But now I drink cacao. Um, mm, I order this cacao yeah. from Guatemala that's delicious. And I mm. use unsweetened uh, coconut milk. And that's Ooh. my jam. It's so good. I love that mix. Yeah. Yeah. I need to try it. Uh, yeah. What's the last show you watched and you loved? Ooh, the last show I watched and I love, so funny. I right now am watching Gossip Girl, like the new Gossip Girl. I and love I the new Gossip it's Girl. It's so good. And it's funny because I have to say I loved the original one and actually auditioned for the original one. My husband was on Ooh. the original. So I was like, oh, no, I'm not going to watch this. Like, no way. I love it. It's adorable. Yes. Oh, I love it. And I always, like, I grew up and I had this feeling of, like, am I really gonna watch like a 20 something year old play a 16 uh -huh. year old and I'm like right of course I'm gonna watch yes. this like who yes. am I kidding like totally yes. <laughs> yeah when you think of the word successful who's the first person that comes to your mind mm, Oprah <laughs> yeah if you could give a presentation about anything unprepared what would it be about I guess you know the theme of today which is like following your intuition <laughs> yeah What's your favorite quote, if you have one? It could be a lyric of a song also. Some people said some lyrics. Um, it's, it's actually a, a quote from my mom. Um, she, when, when she was, uh, I was with her when she passed away. And when she, like, not to make it morbid, but it's actually really beautiful. When it was a couple days before she passed, she was literally on her deathbed. And I said to her, like, she's my best friend. And I was like, Mama, how do I, how do I go on without you? Like, how... I, I talk to you three times a day. Like, how do I do this? And, um, she, she said, yeah, um, you'll be fine. You have a husband that loves you. He's going to be your rock. And she goes, but do me a favor, fall in love every day with as many people and as many things as possible because a heart full of love is a heart that's full. And so that, that quote is just something that has always stuck with me. I love that. That's beautiful. Yeah. If you could live in any movie, which one would it be? If I could live in any movie? Yeah. Eat, any pray, love. Eat, pray, love. <laughs> yeah, I love that movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite meal? My favorite meal, probably pizza. There's nothing like a New York City slice. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> If it could be one person for just one day, who would it be? Jennifer Lopez. 52 <laughs> and that body stops, wow wow right i feel like right? everyone was talking about her picture with ben affleck and i was like uh did you see her body <laughs> yes. i mean she's incredible yeah oh and the last one says what's a song that never fails to make you dance 
a song that never fails to make me dance. Oh God, I don't remember. There's this, um, there's a specific song. I can't remember the name of it. It's so good. And it's so bizarre. Um, <laughs> oh my God. I wish my husband was here. I would ask him. Um, but okay, uh, let me think of another one. Another one would be, um, uh, oh God, probably like a, a Gloria Estefan, like eighties <laughs> song, you know, yeah. or Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson's a good one. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I love that. Well, that brings us to the end of the episode. Do you want to shout yourself one last time on socials and where people can find you sure. and everything that you do? Absolutely. I'm the most active on the gram. So it's at Noelle underscore Ellie. And um, you can also check out my website, noelleelieproductions.com. And productions is plural. Um, or you can check out my IMDb page. But uh, yeah, I would say I would say the gram, I'm the most active yeah perfect then thank you again so much for coming on and yeah. to everyone else i'll see you next week bye